Hebrews chapter 13 verses 8 to 9. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods through which those who were so occupied were not benefited. Good morning. Last Sunday, we covered a special topic covering Hebrews 13, verses 4 to 7, and it was about marriage, money, and modeling. And that last part, modeling, was remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and consider the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. So they taught you, and look at their conduct. And if you look at the immediate context, it was about marriage and money, meaning they respect the marriage covenant, they uphold the marriage bed, which means they give importance to sexual purity, rejecting adultery and extramarital affairs. And the same way they have freed themselves from the love of money, that doesn't mean they do not supply their family with their needs, but they are careful about watching their hearts, that they are not obsessed and greedy with money, so consider their ways and imitate their faith. Then suddenly there's a next verse. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, we may relate this to what these people were teaching about who Christ is. And we may relate this to the whole book of Hebrews in the sense that since chapter 1, it was about Christ. And the knowledge of Christ is central in the epistle to the Hebrews. Because throughout this epistle, the author established in the minds of the readers who Christ is. They say this is the most Christ-centered book in the New Testament. So in, there's a subject in seminary called Christology, well, the study of who Christ is. And Hebrews is one of the most important books to study when it comes to who Christ is. Here it was established that Christ is God, and Christ is superior to prophets, angels, even Abraham, Moses, Aaron, and the priesthood. He is the perfect high priest forever who intercedes, and he is the perfect sacrifice. Now, these, this way of thinking is very important for Jewish people who were the audience. The audience were... Uh, the Jewish Christian communities. Now, the author uh, does not believe that everybody in those Christian communities were true believers. That's why the tone of his book, in the sense that uh, seeing if you are true, and if those who, are, who, who commit apostasy publicly deny Christ, say it's impossible to bring them back. And there's been a lot of debate in terms of doctrine in that area. But then it's good to understand that the Jewish believers then who were scattered all over the Roman Empire, and this epistle was written as an exhortation to these people and probably where it was circulated to the different church communities who most often met in their houses. 
the author would give Christ one more description in these verses. Because after chapter 10, then we move to the study or the author wrote about faith, that it is impossible to please God without faith. And take note, as I remind us, it is not emotionalism that pleases God. It is not empty promises that pleases God. It's not good works that pleases God. It's not posturing as a religious person that pleases God. It is faith. Faith in what? Faith is not just simply a set of beliefs. In the context, it is faith in the promises of God in Christ. Faith in the promises of God in Christ. In short, it is faith in Christ. Believing who he is and what he stands for. And if you truly have faith and have a covenant with God, Scripture says, Hebrews, the writer says that in this covenant promise, something happens. You are forgiven of your sins. And number two, you have a relationship with the Father. That's why Christians of today keep saying it's a relationship, not a religion. There's a real deep relationship with the Father. And thirdly, which you cannot fake, he writes his loss in the minds and hearts of those who truly believe. Giving this person a heart to obey God, a desire to obey God, this you cannot fake. A true believer would have that heart and passion, I want to obey God. And he sees a difference in his life from his old life outside Christ and his new life in Christ. There's a real difference. And it's not because they joined a new group of people. It's not just because they were conditioned to sing and raise their hands and bow their heads to pray. No, but deep within them, they knew there was a change because it was God himself who wrote the laws, his word in our hearts. And that's why you know a true believer from a fake one, because a fake one has no heart for the Word of God, has no heart for the will of God. They just want to be friends with the people here. But the true believer has a passion, has a pursuit. And what is that pursuit? The pursuit of Christ, the pursuit to grow in His will, the pursuit of growing in holiness. And what if you say, but Brother Ed, I don't have that. How do I have that? How can I have that? Well, it is up to God, really. But what can you do? That's your question. Well, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves before the Lord and say, what a wretched sinner I am. And say deep in your heart, I need you, Lord. I need the salvation in Christ. I want this covenant with you. Write your laws in your, my mind and heart. And that's the difference with true Christianity. It's not a Christianity that you can just say, I want to decide to be a member of Christianity. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. It is a deeply personal thing between God and the person through Christ. Take note, through Christ alone. That's why if you never hungered, you were ne never desperate for him, I say, hopefully you would be. Have you been very hungry before you felt like almost dying? Most likely not. Maybe yes, for some of us, but most of us, 
Most likely not. Have you been so thirsty that you felt like dying and you really want that H2O to live and bring that to the element of the soul that's a physical analogy but in the soul the heart must have that desperation for God and if they have the Lord in their hearts they are so thankful for it knowing that we are wretched sinners unworthy of his grace now one more description of Christ he is the same yesterday today and forever now this reflects what well the deity of Christ what does deity mean the divinity of Christ that he is God that is the meaning of deity that he is God he is the same yesterday today and uh, forever, meaning eternal. It's like also saying he is the perfect high priest forever. Now it also reflects what? The confidence of faith that every believer has in Christ. We are so convinced of Christ being Savior and being sovereign. That we must submit to his sovereignty because he is Lord above all. Now, the author emphasized that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which might reflect even before he was born. Because before he was born, he was the Word eternal. He was there from the beginning. Nothing was made without him. That's what scripture says. So he was the shadow in the New Testament. He existed there until he manifested himself. That's why he said, uh, uh, the author said, uh, before God spoke to us through prophets, now he speaks to us through his son. In chapter 1 of Hebrews. After establishing who Christ is, the author gave a warning like all New Testament books except for one, which was more of a personal letter, except for one dealt with false teaching. And this epistle also warned us. Warned us about against false teaching. So we have to know who Christ is. And be careful about false teachers. But conversely, the author encouraged the readers to strengthen themselves by the grace of God, warning against false teaching, and then strengthen yourself by the grace of God. Point number one, the emphasis on the eternal Christ. The author declared that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The scriptures reveal Christ, that Christ is the center of all that God promised and planned. He is the center of history, and he is the center of salvation. Again, verse 8, and it's easy to memorize this. I hope you memorize this. Uh, 13a, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Application, therefore, we should anchor our faith in him alone. Christ alone, please, not on your friend. Some people anchor their faith on their friend. 
or boyfriend or girlfriend. You know when they say you're everything to me? Uh, well, <laughs> sounds romantic, right? But it's not true. If you make somebody everything to you, when you lose that person, your whole world crumbles and you want to end your life. That's why don't do that. Don't think that. Don't allow your emotions to fall to that. It sounds romantic, it's a good movie, telenovela line, but don't do that. Christ is everything to us. And he is eternal. We're not going to lose him. He's not going to die someday. He's not going to decide someday, I don't like you anymore. He is eternal, our high priest forever. Now Christ is superior to Judaism and superior to all. Going back to an application in chapter 12, let us fix our eyes on Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, and none other. Christ alone, and not even on ourselves, by the way. Now, that's the popular religion of mankind today, that you don't need God, what you need is yourself. And uh, the popular saying, believe in yourself. And there's that song, the greatest love of all is loving yourself. Nice song, by the way, but Totally wrong teaching, if you consider it a teaching. No, that is not the greatest love, is to love yourself. I'm not against taking care of yourself. Well, love your neighbor as you love yourself, which also means that you have some self-love, yes, but don't consider that the greatest of all, because that is not what the scripture says, or does not even imply to, towards it. So what do we do? We fix our eyes on Christ, not on people, but Christ, Christ alone. There is no other name that men shall be saved except the name of Jesus Christ. There's no other name. Now, there's a dogma that, uh, that supposedly teaches, well, it's not supposedly, it does teach us. There's a religion that says we do not worship Mary. But their dogma states that they should worship Mary. Well, maybe next week. It's still September. We'll talk about that a little bit. Oh, we don't do that. No, but your dogma says so. So you don't believe in your dogma. Dogma is teaching of a religious organization. There's no other name, Christ alone. He, is, he existed before the world began. He existed for eternity, and nothing was made without him, and he is the high priest forever to all who believe. So the application is simply fix our eyes on him, not on yourself. Why? You know why? Because if you focus on yourself, that is so depressing, okay? <laughs> That's why I hardly focus on myself. I reflect to see what's wrong with me and what's the right thing I'm doing, it's good to reflect. But to be overly focused on oneself can be dangerous as well. It's good to reflect, to meditate, 
to engage in self-correction and sure, self-encouragement, that is fine too. But I'd rather find my encouragement in Scripture and what God has planned for me in Christ. Because God has a plan for us in Christ. I'd rather look at that and I feel already much, much better. But if my way of thinking is still like the world, where if I have more money than I have proven myself, now I'm not against working hard or even succeeding. I'm not against that, but I'm saying that's not the focus of my life. If my life, my esteem relies on what people say, then you are, you will be lost. Our anchor should be in Christ. Now, the next point is reject false teaching. The author warned that warned the letter recipients of false teachings with, which might sound attractive. Yeah, sometimes false teaching sounds attractive. Uh, for example, some, teach, some false teachings say that Christ is not God. He was only man. But Christ is 100% man and 100% God. When he became man, he did not suddenly lose his deity or divinity. He was man, but he had to suffer as man. So he can represent us as a high priest. Otherwise, he could not. He had to suffer as a man. He had to be sacrificed. He had to be an innocent lamb, like as it was foreshadowed in the Old Testament. But not once did he abandon the deity, the divinity of himself. Now, false teaching can be really attractive at times. Like, I heard this as, as one of the popular preachers on YouTube and uh, they have a mega church in, in, I think it's in Texas. Yeah, it is. And uh, what did they say from the pulpit? You see Christ, Jesus was only a man. But when the Holy Spirit came upon him, he became God. Just like you and I. We can achieve to be gods. So attractive, right? I can be a god. Kung sa Tagalog, Diyosa ang iba sa inyo dito. Diyos at Diyosa. Do not be carried away. Verse 9. Do not be carried away by different types or varied and strange teachings. Uh, when will it be strange if it is not according to the scripture? But again, like I said, many carelessly use the scripture. Even Satan himself misquotes the Bible when he tried to tempt Jesus Christ. So what do we do? Then we have to study it carefully. As I once said before, we are contextual students of God's word. I mean, how do you treat poetry and epistle are two different ways you treat that. How do you treat narrative and law? There are two different ways of treating that. One must be careful. 
The apostles during the early church battled against false teaching, one of which they battled was salvation is through the Old Testament law. Yes, you can have Christ, you can have faith in Christ, but it's really through the Old Testament law. You have to go through all the ceremonies, especially circumcision. That was the prevalent teaching then, and there are other teachings like Gnosticism, which believe that Jesus Christ, Jesus, I mean the man, and Christ the God were two different things. And Christ the God took over Jesus the man. What was their application? Two ways. One is your physical body, your human body is bad, evil, but your spirit is good. There's divinity in your spirit, therefore, two application. One is, therefore, you have to make the body suffer. So, uh, they whip themselves because they, the body is evil. And whenever they sin, they slap themselves. And that's one application. Because the body is evil, but the spirit is divine. Your soul is divine. The inner person is divine. Therefore, make the body suffer. The other application was what? Well, since the body is sinful and the spirit is divine, do whatever you want. Uh, have sex, join orgies, get high. It doesn't matter since your spirit is divine and your body will decay anyway. And you know, those two thinkings found their way within Christian practice. Ah, that's why not everyone is truly faithful to God's word. There's a little of here and a little of that there. Therefore came the rise of antinomianism, which was, if you're saved by grace, you can do anything you want. You can be free anyway you're saved. Very Gnostic in one sense. The other one is asceticism. Anything pleasurable is evil. That's why they say that even sex within marriage is evil. No, that can't be. God is the author of it. And they go through, well, we have some applications in the Philippine context, the penitentia. Feeling that your body must suffer to become more godly. These are strange teachings, but some are attracted to it. To deal with their guilt, they'd rather make their body suffer just to deal with their guilt. And the other one is, I don't want to have a conscience. I don't want to have a conscience. I want to do what I want without guilt. False teachings. Application, know who Christ is, know the Holy Scriptures, and guard against false teaching. Some say that Jesus was a man like us, but he became God and humans can attain Godhood. Avoid such false teachings. Therefore, we must study the Holy Scriptures contextually. What do I mean by that? There is a context when God inspired the people who wrote the different parts of the Bible. Now, some might argue that only men wrote the Bible. I would agree that God used men to write the Bible, and it wasn't through dictation, it was through inspiration. 
where God and the Holy, the Holy Spirit inspired godly men to write, and they wrote with a purpose. The Bible has around 40 authors from different time zones throughout history. They lived in different locations, not necessarily spread around the world, but different locations in the span of 1,500 years. And then you see their poetry, you see their history, you see their philosophy. You see their literature, you see their letters, epistles. You see their apocryphal writing as well. Yet you bring it all together. And there's such a harmony within, through those thousands of years. That in itself, I would say, is a miracle. But we have to study it contextually because you cannot just quote a verse irresponsibly and throw it at somebody. Because what? Then you might mislead others. So when we say contextually, God inspired authors to write. For example, epistles, which are letters. There was a situation and the author was moved to write. And what he wrote were things he learned. The apostles learned from Christ that were passed on to those that they were discipling for Christ. The teachings of Christ were there and they were moved to write and they wrote. So we have to seek out why did they write? What was the situation? What was happening during that time? At least read some history. And read within the context, not just quickly, quickly applying or quickly interpreting. That takes time to interpret. To interpret is to look at the background. Now, there is only one interpretation of the intent of the author. There cannot be many. When I ask you if you write something to somebody, you have an intent, you have a meaning. Because you're alive, we can ask you, what do you mean? We cannot suddenly interpret it according to our interpretation. If it's not clear, we have to ask the sender. Uh, can you clarify, please, what did you mean when you messaged me that? Because if it's unclear, we have to ask. You cannot give the reason, oh, I thought, or in Filipino, akala ko. And some employees use that as an excuse every time they make a mistake because they misinterpret the message and instead of asking, they create their own interpretation and they just do it. That will get you fired or demoted. We must study. That's why we slowly, we encourage you first to read the whole Bible. And then we study it contextually, and we're doing it Sunday by Sunday. And every now and then we have these seminars about the study on Romans and on, 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 on Ephesians or whatever. Some of my students right now in seminary, uh, were, so I brought to them the idea of, you know what, the, the importance of accuracy 
And you know, sometimes it's good that it's a group of us who do a sermon. Each one of us has done our research and study, and then we study it carefully. Oh. And we can correct one another if we have a sort of a wrong opinion or our sources are not good enough. The importance of knowing scripture to know what is false. But here's the problem. Some of us easily are so accepting just because you know, oh, he's a Christian and men, some of my friends go to his church. Automatically, you are now embracing of everything that person teaches. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's how we are. That's why we have to train here. Sometimes I have to say, can't you see the gaps? No offense. Well, I'm sorry if I do offend somebody. Somebody taught the Trinity and then brought out a three-in-one coffee from his pocket and said, it's just like this. The Trinity is three-in-one coffee. I said, oh, brother. And that's from a mega church. That is clearly false. We're so embracing rather than being like Bereans, checking, double-checking, triple-checking, Careful now. Respect. Respect who? Respect the author. Respect God who inspired the author. You know how when little kids try to use your name irresponsibly? Daddy said. <laughs> how they weaponize daddy to, to control their siblings, right? Or mommy said, just to control the siblings. <laughs> but then if you double check, daddy said, what? When did I say that? Uh, and that's the problem sometimes with preaching. God said when, wait, 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 where? How? You concluded too fast. That's not what it's saying. It's not what the word is saying. No space to be lazy, my friends. No space to be lazy. No pastor should be lazy. No teacher should be lazy. Pastors who do not grow in knowledge don't deserve to be pastors. People who do not pursue that, no, no. But that is a sad reality, and that is the reality of uh, some of my students were also sharing that. Most of my students are from India. And they're saying that, yeah, because their reasoning is, well, the Spirit will lead me. I don't need to study. I said, listen to that, how foolish that is. Now, if I believe in that, that the Holy Spirit will just come to me and I don't have to study, it's just like this. You know how ridiculous that is? Anybody here think, don't raise your hand, this is hypothetical. If anybody of you here think you are filled with the Spirit of God, you think you're filled with the Spirit of God, but you don't have musical background, 
But then since you're filled with the Spirit of God, you can do anything right. You can misquote, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I'd like you to go to the keyboard and play me a tune. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. It doesn't work that way. First, you have to study. You have to develop some level of skill again and again and again and again. And then, yes, the Holy Spirit can use you. Now, you don't study. It'll just come upon you. No, you will be led to false teaching, easily led. Some never grow up. They're like children. Whatever you tell them, Santa Claus just came, but you were asleep. And they're so sad, huh? About to cry. Oh, but he left you this gift. And these little kids believe you. To, to control the behavior of kids, our ancestors told the story of the Aswang. Don't go there, it's dark. Stay at home at night because there's Aswang. And the kids believe there's Aswang. But the parents just wanted to control the behavior so that their kids don't go out everywhere. They come home early because there's the Aswang. I'm sorry to those who can't understand. Filipino, it's supernatural beings. They're not ghosts, but they're supernatural beings that can harm us physically. And there are different types. There's the Manananggal, who can fly without half of their body. They leave it somewhere. So how do you fight the Manananggal? Look for the other part of the body, right? Look for a pair of legs without a body. And the kids believe. But the immature believer also believes everything they hear. Because they don't know God's word. <gasps> don't be vaccinated. That's six, six, six. You've been with me for a few years and you easily believe that. Please give me permission to use a long paddle and spank you. You easily believe that. The conspiracy theory is all over YouTube. You easily believe that. Really. And you turned it religious. How is a person saved? By grace through faith, through faith, right? Yeah. And if you're truly justified by faith, you, you will repent because the next part is sanctification, right? Which you grow into holiness, into obedience to Christ. Oh, what if you put a computer chip on you, Brother Ed? You will lose your salvation? No, 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 no. Nothing can separate me if I have genuine faith. Nothing can separate me. And by the way, there are different views of revelations. Why don't we just study that first? 
one view is a futuristic view, and some parts of it could be futuristic, which I believe it is. But there are parts of it that is historical. During that time, Nero's name was computed as 666. And it's not literally a mark, but you're a follower of that emperor. You see, if you see the different views of Revelation, you don't easily conclude or believe these things. You, you still there? Oh, Brother Ed, I have a microchip inside of me. It was injected to me. Sheesh. You think you're going to lose your salvation? Get a knife and remove it, right? Gee, what's the problem? You can't remove it? Cut your hand if you want to. Oh, don't do that. Okay. No, it's in my forehead. Cut your head then. No, don't do that. It won't be literal, trust me. Because one perspective, it, that part already happened. There are four perspectives to the book of Revelations. You study that first before you conclude. That's what I'm saying, you study. Don't jump around because somebody said this, somebody said that. And now you're all confused. You're like little kids. When you told a little kid, Santa has no gift for you because you've been a bad, bad boy. And he believes it. That's how you look like if you believe everything you hear. I hope I drove that strong. Is it strong enough? You want a little more? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we don't have enough time, but I'd like to drive it a little more. Philosophies of this world keep evolving. So somebody think that our modern culture should interpret the word of God. No, we don't have the right to do that. We study the culture then to understand what they mean what the authors meant when we study the historical, the situation and what did the author mean and what did the audience, how did the audience prop understood it? We have to look at that and then ask us today, how does that apply to us without manipulating it? But you don't use your present culture to manipulate scripture. No, it's asking what did the Bible say? What does it mean? And then how does it apply today? The prevailing false teaching then was more about Gnosticism. In our context here, it's, it's what? It's elevating another name above Christ. It's thanking Enoch more than thanking Christ. It is praying to her, which the Bible never gave instructions to pray to her, and she probably is not hearing you. The false teachings of today are different. If you go to America, the false teachings prevalent there are different. They're trying to redefine what marriage is. 
They're saying that abortion is okay and some are spiritualizing it. What does that mean? Using scripture to manipulate the meaning of it so that this will be acceptable for today. Instead, instead we should be strengthened by grace. The author instructed the Jewish believers to strengthen their hearts in the grace of God. Not by food, which was part of the rules of the Old Testament. That was a big thing then, food. Until today, many uh, devout Jews still believe in the kind of food. Now, if you eat food according to the Old Testament, that's actually fine. As long as you don't treat it as law on you. If you say, uh, well, I don't eat blood, food cooked in blood, like Dinuguan, because of health reasons, because probably God put it in the Old Testament, probably to help in their health, probably, then that's fine. But once you say it's a sin, if you eat that, then now that is false teaching. I know some of you don't eat pork because you saw in the Old Testament that they don't eat pork. And that's fine if you treat it as like, that's a health law for me, but I'm not under the law, so that is not an issue of sin. Once you begin preaching that that is a sin, then we have a problem. Grace is not about works. Good works are the result of grace. Let's look at the other half of verse 9. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, through which those who were so occupied were not benefited. No, it's, if you're not looking at grace and focus more on food, then the grace of God does not benefit you. The pursuit of works does not save the soul. Salvation is not a point system of good works. It's not how many good have I done in my life and how many bad. It's not a point system whether you do more good rather than bad. And probably you will enter heaven or in a better place. That is not the point of scriptures. Most other religions teach that. But scriptures, the gospel is different. It's not about the amount of good works we have. It is what Jesus did on the cross. It is the Father drawing us to Christ. It is us responding because of the grace, repenting of our sins, and following Christ because of the grace given to us. That is the gospel. We cannot save ourselves. It is God who initiated salvation in Christ because we are powerless to do so. And God's grace alone in Christ will save the soul. Application, how do we find strength in his grace? Well, first, believe the Father saves by grace alone, through faith alone. Second, focus on faith, not works. Remember, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And what is faith? It is what? The conviction of things hoped for. What do we hope for? The promises of God in Christ. The conviction. We believe it so much. Everything that God has said and promised in the new covenant, we believe. That is our focus, our faith. And that is what pleases God. 
But of course, there are branches of Christianity who believe that it is emotionalism. I'm not against intimate worship, please. I'm not against that. But something, it is that crying. It is that emotionalism. Even the, the way the songs were made, it is building intimacy. And again, to a some degree, I'm okay with that. But I'm not okay with the wrong teaching in, the, in some of these lyrics. But others are focused on that. But that's not the focus. That is one of the things that we can do, but not the focus. What's the focus? Faith in His Word. To grow in His Word. And third, always remember, we do not deserve grace. We don't. I hope you feel that. We are wretched sinners. Unworthy. That's why we do not preach personal morality. Look at me, how I've changed. Hmm? No, we humbly say, by God's grace, there are aspects of my life that change because of Him. And it's only by the grace of God. Because me, all I can do is struggle and fail. But the grace of God is the one that gives me the strength. Without grace, there is nothing. I am nothing. I am no one. Until we understand that, we, does not, we do not understand grace. And if we still believe we're better than others in our morality, then we have not understood grace. Every time we see a sinner in the news and we say, ah, and get mad at it, then we still did not understand grace. So what can we do? Believe you don't deserve it. So what do we do? Humble ourselves and depend in Christ alone. Christ forever is a title of the new poem. Through history and in stories of poetry and prophecies, in the beginning the word was there many of whom were not aware. Christ Jesus, the same yesterday, He is also Lord of today. His reign beyond a million years, Christ will remove all earthly fears. But He'll reject all the false teachers, including all their followers. Thus, let's beware of false teachers to not end up their followers. We find strength in His grace alone. There's no salvation on our own. By grace, please God, through faith alone, proclaim the gospel, make Him known. The deity of Christ we teach, to all nations the church shall preach, not personal morality, but gospel and His deity. Let us all rise. Lord, we thank you for this morning. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Remind us to be careful, to be watchful against false teaching, 
in our own minds, false teaching that come from our own minds, false teachings that we hear in different locations, especially all over the internet. Teach us to strengthen ourselves in grace, not on the petty things, not easily believing. Teachings that try to scare us away from the word, making us gullible in believing, but teach us to be strong in the word, to study, to read, to meditate, that the people might grow, that we all might grow, and that we may make disciples of all nations. Christ, you are eternal, our high priest forever. Nothing was made without you. That's why we anchor ourselves on you. Teach us to understand grace, not of us, not our own works, but you, through you alone. And that salvation is not the work of man, it is the work of God completely and holy. We are grateful that you have called us into your kingdom. May we love you and serve you as you please with all faith and love and thanksgiving. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of his Spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen. God bless you.